time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studios. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Big B Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet, Ohio Automotive Supply, Seneca Millwork, Five Star Maintenance, and by the Rumpy Corporation. And now, let's go live to Lance and Matt from the Fricker Studios for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. And on Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you tonight. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night. Matt, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. We had a good opening week of playoff action. Some fun fun stuff happened, a few exciting things. We have got ourselves a absolutely insane week. Like, no getting around. Just an insane next couple of days of sports broadcasting for you guys. So I, I am just beyond ecstatic i love postseason action i love postseason time it's just it's so much fun it's always entertaining and we get a ton of it this week and we get to go to one of our favorite venues to watch a game not necessarily to actually broadcast a game from because it can be a little hit and miss but going to the elida field house this week potentially twice got a good feeling we're gonna go there twice but potentially twice man it's gonna be fun it's just gonna be a fun fun week of broadcasting and sports for everyone out there. So I'm just ecstatic. I'm, I'm ready to get after it right away. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios, we will talk, of course, with Kevin Harris, writer from Meetup Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback to talk Ohio State football. Saturday, they were able to beat Penn State this Saturday. They will play at Northwestern. We'll talk with Kevin here in just a few minutes. We'll also catch up with Tiffin Calvert, volleyball coach Lori Rombach. Her team 23-2 on the season, getting set for play in the regionals where they will take on Convoy Crestview Thursday. We'll talk with Coach Rombach here in a little bit. We'll also talk with Judd Lutz, Tiffin Columbian head football coach. They beat Rocky River in the first round of the postseason. They'll play Padua Franciscan in round two on Friday. We'll hear from Coach Lutz later on in the show. And we'll talk with Stephen Adams, Finley High School's head football coach one more time. They are coming off a loss against Perrysburg in the first round of the postseason. That ends their year. We'll talk with Coach Adams for the last time later on in the show. This, of course, is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. We are not physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday Monday Boneless Frickin' Chicken Wings Day. Tuesday, Frickin' Chicken Wings Day. Today, their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their Frickin' Chicken Chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine-in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials are dine-in only. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at frickers.com. And like Matt alluded to, join us on Thursday for our coverage of high school regional volleyball. We'll have coverage of both of the regional semifinals matches at the Elida Fieldhouse. Game 1 will feature Carey against Hicksville. Game 2 will be Calvert against Convoy Crestview. That game 1 will start at about 6 o'clock. Game 2 around 7.30 or 20 to 25 minutes 
following the conclusion of the first match. You can hear all of that Thursday on Classic Hits 96.7. And same thing for Fridays, Matt. We've got a couple couple good matchups on the slate for, for this Friday night. Uh, that we do. We certainly have some good ones. And I'll get started with the NWO Orthopedics Psych Up Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Reese Landon gets you ready for all the action for the second round of the postseason. They'll go live at 6 o'clock. On WFOB, we'll have coverage of the Elmwood Royals in their second round matchup with Tenora. John Conlon, Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. On Classic Hits, we'll have coverage of a BVC matchup. McComb hosting Pandora Gilboa. Matt Common and I We'll have that one for you Friday night. And then, of course, stick around for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show again from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Reese Land, to recap all the action for the second round of the high school football postseason. You can hear that once the games on Friday have wrapped up. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris, rider from Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Hey, Hardin County, Allen County, and Putnam County residents. NWO now can serve your local orthopedic and physical therapy needs a bit closer to home. We are now located in Bluffton at 132 Guru Street, right across from Bluffton Hospital. We provide the same great standard that NWO always offers, and we are now accepting patients wanting to be seen in our Bluffton office. Take your orthopedic and physical therapy needs to NWO. There's only one place to go, NWO. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. Are you looking for a job with a great company? The Ropey Corporation has several positions available. They have general labor positions with a starting pay of $18.84 an hour with a raise after 90 days. These are full-time positions that work second shift from 2 p.m. until 10 p.m. There's also an opening for a CDL Class A truck driver. To apply, go to Ropey.com and find career opportunities under the company tab. Come work for one of Northwest Ohio's best companies, privately held and family-driven. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Moore's Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Last Saturday, the Ohio State Buckeyes got the win over Penn State. This Saturday, they hit the road to take on Northwestern. You can, of course, listen to Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We are now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, thank you once again for, for taking the time to talk and 
for once, I can say, aside from the fact that the Buckeyes won, they actually had some share of struggles, at least in that first half of the game against Penn State. Though, of course, able to have a very strong fourth quarter and have a fairly decisive win in the end, even though it doesn't indicate how close the game was for a good majority of it. What were what were your big takeaways from uh, from this one against Penn State? Yeah, I think to most people, if you watch this game, I think it was very clear that Ohio State was the more talented team kind of across the board. And I think that's what kind of frustrate, frustrated a lot of people in this game is like, if you look at it and you look how these guys are making plays, like it's very clear that like if Ohio State just goes out with its talent and decides to win this game, it very easily could have. And that's kind of what you saw in the fourth quarter. Talent just kind of took over. But Ryan Day seems to do this thing where he gets hung up way too much in my opinion on like the technically correct call or the technically correct play call and you saw that a lot with like the screen passes and the stretch runs and stuff like that that's like Penn State came out with a super loaded box and Ohio State tried to attack the perimeter a lot with it instead of just like throwing downfield and forcing the ball to their best players and just allowing talent to win the game um it seemed like Ryan Day was almost like obsessed with making and making the correct call work, even when it wasn't really working. Like he ran like I think I, there were five different screen passes, but like he tried a different type of screen pass like three or four different times to just try to get it to work. And it just wasn't working. So I, I think really in the fourth quarter, when it became like time to win is when Ryan Day and kind of the Ohio State offense was just like, all right you know, we're not going to play this anymore. We're just going to like, we're just going to, you know, play to win. We're going to, we're going to go out and make, let our receivers make plays, let our quarterback make plays. And uh, that's really what happened. And I think you even saw that a little bit. If you go back and rewatch the first drive before halftime, Marvin Harrison Jr. was not open on almost all of those throws, but you know, CJ Stroud threw him open and, um, and you know, he, it worked up until the the very, very last play of the half. So um, I think it was just kind of in, in a lot of ways, especially offensively, the offense was kind of getting in its own way instead of just going fast and letting the players win the game. And, um, you know, that's happened a few times that it's been a slow start. It happened a little bit against Iowa too, where they're so caught up in like the schematic best thing to do that they kind of just miss doing the easy things where like you're running a crossing route that, the tight end gets 40 yards or whatever. So I don't know. In a lot of ways, it's just the offense kind of getting in its own way, but it got out of its own way and they scored what 28 points in eight minutes or something like that. And I think the plus side is like, that's what this offense proves it can do. It Penn state went from like feeling like it could win this game to being absolutely buried in a matter of like six game time minutes. So um, that's just kind of what happens when you play this team. And, Kevin, just to be kind of candid, I mean, looking at the team stat line as a whole here, with the exception of turnovers, there is, I actually don't think there's a single statistic that Ohio State won in for this game. Maybe, yard, I'm sorry, yards per play as well, 7.5 to 6.0. It, it, are you just attributing that to, you know, like kind of like what you allude to, where you've mentioned a few times in the past of Ryan Day, he sometimes gets stuck in his own way with his play calling from time to time, or did Penn state really give a blueprint to teams going forward to potentially how to beat Ohio state? Yeah. And and to be clear, 
yards per play like that's a big one <laughs> like that's 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 probably the most important stat in my opinion when you're looking at like how an offense performs during the game i don't really care how many total yards a team gets i don't really care um how many average yards a team's getting per game but i really do care about yards per play um and you know that really that number was not really high in the first half especially i think it was down in like the threes or the fours or whatever um but yeah it so but to your point still it was not like a, a, a pretty performance um I don't know it it was a lot of what Penn State was doing it's not to take anything away from Penn State I think that is the best set of cornerbacks especially that Ohio State is going to play all year um even better than Iowa Iowa might have a better complete secondary and a like a better team defense but in terms of just like playmaking cornerbacks Penn State probably has two first round two three first round cornerbacks on that team Joey Porter Jr he's going to be a first round pick this year and so the fact that Ohio State was even able to move the ball in single coverage against these guys was like really good like I, I don't want to take anything away from that it's not like Penn State defensively um on the outside was was or was uh, atrocious or anything like that um you know I don't think Ohio State ran the ball the way they would have liked to especially the way Michigan owned the line of scrimmage against Penn State but that's kind of what happens when, you know, um, Penn State really sold out against the run in a way that they didn't against Michigan. They put seven guys on the line of scrimmage and made Ohio State do something else. Um, and so eventually Ohio State ended up just, you know, winning those battles downfield. But there was a lot of of give and take because when you rush and they, they sent a lot of blitzes and a lot of unique blitzes and stuff that confused Ohio State, too. So in a lot of ways, you had um, a weird combination of Ohio state not really having the time to throw the ball deep. And um, that was kind of really the only thing Ohio state could do at the time because those screen passes weren't working. The stretch runs weren't working or anything like that. So it was just, it was a really good scheme by Penn state. Um, They really kept it close by leaning on those cornerbacks was really the whole scheme. Um, But ultimately they couldn't do that forever. Ohio state's receivers were too good. The passing game was too good. Um, and eventually the well just kind of broke, but uh, they did make it a game for, for quite a while. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. And I, I think you might have been the one that actually said this on Twitter, but you know, when you look at what CJ Stroud did and had another really good game 26 for 33 for passing for over 350 yards and a touchdown but it almost felt in the moment like he wasn't having a good game, even though the numbers tell a completely different story. What were, what were your thoughts on what we saw from him? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like I, I, I was watching that game and it just kind of felt like he was struggling a little bit. And he came out with honestly, one of the better performances of his night or of the week or sorry of the year statistically. Um, so I, I mean, that just kind of goes to show what the expectations are for him and what he's capable of, I guess too. And, Rewatching that game, he was awesome. Like he made a couple throws that, um, I mean, like he does every week. That I just, I, I don't know how anyone else in the country makes those throws. Um, I, I think that he, if there's any indictment on him, I think he gets a little rattled with pressure. And what, what quarterback doesn't? You know, like if, if you're getting hands in your face, at any, any quarterback at any level, if they're getting pressured on any play, um it really affects their performance. The only quarterback I can think that like doesn't is like Joe Burrow or whatever, <laughs> but um, the it, it, generally speaking, like it's tough to throw the ball when you've got dudes in your face. 
And I, I think that that rattled him a little bit early because Penn State was sending a lot of weird blitzes um, that he wasn't really prepared for. He wasn't really identifying. Uh, he knows how to pick apart a, a coverage and a secondary, but um, I don't know if he's really that experienced at identifying a front identifying a pass rush and sliding protection and stuff like that. And um, that's something that he's going to have to work on. Uh, Cause I don't think a lot of people realize that like when a quarterback takes a sack, like you can blame the offensive line a lot of the time, but some of the time it's just simply the quarterback, not recognizing the, the blitz and not recognizing the, the front that's in front of him and setting his protection accordingly. Because like in a lot of cases, some of those guys are just doing the job that they were told to do. And if somebody leaks through, like that's on the quarterback in a lot of ways, especially from the outside. Um, I, I think that that sack on the to, at the beginning of the or at the end of the first half that cost Ohio State a chance at a field goal or a touchdown. I think that was on him, not the offensive line. I think he should have um, adjusted protection accordingly. Uh, Penn State had a really unique look where they actually dropped their defensive ends into coverage and blitzed two linebackers instead. And that confused everybody. But um, at the end of the day, like it's CJ Stroud that's got to make that's got to pay attention to those sort of things so if there's any indictment on how he played it's that he had a lot of pressure and he wasn't really um, at his best when he was facing that pressure but man it's tough to criticize a guy when he puts up those numbers and wins a top 15 game on the road especially the way that he did with that fourth quarter performance talking about the passing game I guess uh, the thing that comes to mind for me this entire season preseason the cut the whole conversation was Jackson Smith and Jigba this, Jackson Smith and Jigba that. Is it possible that Marvin Harrison Jr. is actually a better wide receiver than Jackson Smith and Jigba? Because I saw the post online of Pro Football Focus asking if he's the best receiver in college football. And I got to tell you, 10 receptions, a buck 85, averaging 18 yards of reception. Some of those circus catches he's made throughout the season and in that game in particular. I'm starting to run out of an argument as to why he's not the best receiver in college football. Well, I I think both can be true. I I think that the reality is that they're completely different players. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a lot more of the like underneath agility guy. Um, He can make freak plays and stuff like that. Whereas uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's like a bigger kind of freak. um, One of those like Julio Jones sort of guys. So I think like, in a way, the comparison is almost like Jalen Waddle to Devontae Smith during that national championship season for okay. uh, Alabama. Like both of those guys are super good. They're just super unique too. And so even into the draft process, you had people debating like, well, which one's better? It's like, well, I don't know. It depends on what you're asking him to do. Um, so you're never, ever going to see Marvin Harrison Jr. line up in the slot and, um, you know, run a drag route and juke three people and score. That's just not his game. But that's what you're going to see of Jackson Smith and Jigba. You're not really going to see him make a catch across the middle in traffic, um, but you'll see that from Jackson Smith and Jigba. On the flip side, you're not really going to see Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, you see it sometimes, but you're not going to see him just overpower somebody or, um, you know, moss a dude or something like that. they're They're just different players. And so I think ideally it would have been really cool to see them in the same offense and i i'm not giving up that um we won't i really think that jackson smith and jig was going to try to get back uh you know his dad just spoke to the columbus dispatch yesterday um and said that the plan is for him to be back um michigan game at the earliest and the college football playoff at the latest and that he still really wants to play 
Um, it's just one of those lingering injuries. Uh, hamstrings can be like that sometimes, but um, he's the direct quote that he said was, we're not doing the Nick Bosa thing, which probably puts a lot of Ohio state fans at ease that they're not just going to, you know, pull him out and focus on the NFL. But um, I, I, I think that the reality is that like, it's really great that, um, that Marvin Harrison jr is emerging the way that he is, but there was room for both of them in this offense. And um, I, I think if anything, it's allowed for Emeka Buka to shine a little more this year, because I think him and Jackson Smith and Jigba were going to play a lot of the same role. So um, if anything, this has given Emeka Buka like a, an extra year to kind of just showcase what he can do. But um, yeah, I, I think there is plenty of room for these to be one A and one B best receivers in the country. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morris. Matt Common here with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield. Awful announcing and the comeback here in the Frickers Zoom room. And, and you mentioned it with uh, the Jackson Smith and Jigba stuff and hearing Michigan at the earliest, college football playoff at the latest. That all sounds well and good in theory, but regardless of if you're one of the best receivers or an end of the bench guy, I probably wouldn't want to be quote unquote, getting my feet wet, getting back into game speed action in either of those matchups. What is kind of your thought on how true that could be? Or if we do in fact end up at some point seeing him pull the quote unquote, Nick Bosa and just getting ready for the draft. I think it'll depend. Uh, like, I think that, he's going to prepare as if he's going to play, you know, for the entire season, you know, and until he kind of is told that that's not the case and it's not realistic. Um, he's going to prepare that way. And I think the thing is like between a Michigan game, or if he doesn't play in it between a Michigan game slash big 10 championship game and the college football playoff, you've got a lot of time. And so uh, maybe it could be rushing it if he's like ready to, it'd be hard to work him back into practice and stuff like that between uh, ahead of Michigan or ahead of, you know, a big 10 championship game against Illinois. Um, maybe that could be pushing it and it could be hard to really work him in there. But when you've got like, you know, several weeks of ball practices heading into the college football playoff, I don't think that's really a concern as long as he's healthy before the start of those ball practices. And it's not like he's a game time decision before this, uh, before this game, like you know, that that would kind of make me nervous. But at the same time, like Jalen Waddle went out there and like limped around for the Ohio yeah. that national championship game against Ohio State and had like a carry and like a catch or something like that. And just him simply being on the field was a, a threat uh, against Ohio State. So um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule that out either. I, I just think it really comes down to like, does he want to play? And is that what he's working towards? Because I think like, even if you look back at Nick Bosa's injury timeline, he probably could have gotten back for a bowl game or something like that. Um, but they just weren't really focused on that. They were more focused on his long-term NFL future. And by all accounts, that's not really what Jackson Smith and Jig was worried about. He's worried about getting back to this team and then he'll figure out the NFL later, which um, that could change. You know, if Ohio state loses to Michigan or, Illinois and ends up not in the college football playoff I kind of doubt he's going to push so hard to get back to like I don't know the cotton bowl I don't even know what what bowl they would end up playing in but um I I really doubt that 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 would be that that would be a scenario but um and if Ohio State's playing in the college football playoff I 
really kind of would expect him to be in the game. And last one I have on the offensive side, at least, uh, looking at the ground game a little bit, it's now become a bit of an, I would actually say a little bit of an active concern the way it's gone the past couple of weeks. It seems like they really are struggling to get going after the big explosion game you saw from Mayan Williams and some of the games you saw earlier on in the year from Travion Henderson when he was healthy. It, are we at a point where this is a cause for concern or is this more just a byproduct of Penn State and frankly what CJ Stroud's doing passing the ball? You know, it, I think it's both. Um, I, I think that the problem is that like towards the beginning of the season, the run game was like a lot more versatile. Um, they were doing a lot more counters off of things and um, it wasn't as stagnant and predictable. And now really, like I just see it as kind of predictable. Um, you know, I Ryan Day talked about it last week or in his press conference. But like when Ohio State goes to the pistol formation this year and last year, this is a, a very long trend when they're in the pistol formation they're running the ball like 90% of the time. And it's just little things like that. That's like you develop these tendencies and it's just like becomes a crutch. And Ryan day, like his, his answer to that question, somebody asked him about that. Um, his answer to that question was honestly even more concerning. He said, well, we ran from that five times against Penn state, that, that formation five times against Penn state and four of them were, you know, really productive runs. So it sounds like we need to run. And he was joking, but he said, it sounds like we need to run more out of the pistol. But like that just kind of is like ignoring the problem because the problem is that like the running game has gotten like pretty predictable. Um, you know, I, I think if I showed you a still image of an Ohio State formation, any average person who knows nothing about football and said, is Ohio State running the ball or passing the ball on this play? Whenever they're running, it's like nine times out of 10. That's exactly what they're going to do based on the picture. So it's just not very creative. Um and I think they're trying to fix that with some other areas, whether it's like a a jet sweep or the threat of a jet sweep to a wide receiver or the wide receiver screens that we saw, which to be clear, like a, a screen pass is generally considered part of the running game and not part of the passing game. So those screen passes are seen as like stretch runs instead. So um, but they're they're trying to to change it up a little bit and open up things in the middle with doing stuff like that. But nothing's really worked. Um, you know, and a part of that is that Penn State was a really good defense and that's hard to like tinker with your offense against maybe the best, one of the best defenses you're going to play all season, um, in back-to-back -back games between Penn State and Iowa. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's something that they need to improve on. I think a, a large issue too, was that Mayan Williams went out, uh, the, the running game was looking pretty good, um, until Mayan Williams got hurt and that's not going to be a long-term thing. He'll be back, but. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff that is, it is slightly concerning, but at the end of the day, when Ohio state can like, you know, throw out 21 points in like six minutes or something like that at the end of the game, like it's only so concerning because you know, really what team is going to be able to keep up with Ohio state and have the combination of offense to have the combination of offense to keep up with Ohio state and defense to slow Ohio state down. And I just really don't think there's that many teams in the country, maybe Michigan, um, and we'll see the, how that shakes out at the end of November, but, um, I don't know. Michigan has its own problems too. This is the NWO orthopedics sports huddle here from the Frickers studios. Lance Morris, Matt Cobbin talking with Kevin Harris, writer from meet at midfield off announcing 
And the comeback, looking ahead to this week, they take on Northwestern 1-7 on the season. That lone win came against Nebraska, and that was actually not in America, so they have yet to win a college football game here in America this year. And it wasn't too long ago Northwestern was, you know, not the best team in the Big Ten by any stretch, but they were a team that was able to give Ohio State problems, you know, in a Big Ten title game. What What's the difference for them this year? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I mean, this team was expected to be bad, but they have beaten Nebraska and lost a bunch of winnable games since then. Um, so I, I don't, I don't really know. It, it's just bad off across the board too, because like if you really look at this team, like they just gave up thirty three points to Iowa. Like Spencer Petrus just carved up their their secondary, and you saw what he did to Ohio State. I think he had like forty one yards, two picks, and a fumble, um, with like a QBR of like six or something like that. So, I mean, when Spencer Petrus is carving up your defense, that's a problem. But like the good news is their offense is also one of the lowest scoring offenses in the FBS. So like there's really nothing, and I think their special their special teams is pretty atrocious too. So like there's really nothing this team does well. Um, I think people are just like, if if this isn't a name brand team, like if you don't recognize this team as Northwestern, like a big 10 opponent or whatever, you're thinking of this team as like ball state, you know, it's, it's not a good football team. Um, this might be even aside from, from, uh, you know, like Arkansas state, th- this might be the worst team that Ohio state plays this year. And it's kind of hilarious that it's a conference opponent and it's not Rutgers, but, um, <laughs> I, I I really I really think this might be the worst team that Ohio State's going to play all year. Uh, I I always appreciate the not so subtle digs that go to, towards Rutgers <laughs> at a given time throughout Rutgers, Ohio State. Rutgers State's is a decent season. team this year. They are. It's just it's it's the principle of the matter that somehow there's a dig against Rutgers yeah. that makes its way into the broadcast year in and year out. Um, uh, again, you kind of alluded to this already. The fact that you know really struggling this year and that they were expected to struggle is is that solely because of just the level of talent i mean brandon joseph obviously transferring out heading to notre dame uh, i don't think that makes a massive difference for northwestern or is it really just they had so many people that they had to lose it was just too much to overcome i think it's a collection of things i think that you had two years ago was it two years ago it was two years ago they were in the big 10 title game against ohio state um, and when you really looked at that team, it was just loaded with veteran talent, like just loaded. Um, and a lot of those guys stuck around because they got that free COVID year. Um, and so I really think you're just like seeing a team that that really relies on getting players into that program and developing them because Northwestern's not landing five star guys. It's just not going to happen. Um, they're not even landing like mid four star level guys like they're getting, you know, players that might sniff the top thousand in in the recruiting rankings and they really rely on getting those players in having them in there for a few years and playing experienced guys and so like when you had a linebacking core that like each of them were like fourth or fifth year seniors and then all of a sudden they're all like gone like i don't know what you do with that and i think that's the problem that northwestern is having is they had like this collection of of really good players that um that were playing really well together and had been playing well together for 
years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, like kind of at the same time, they're all gone. And um, so I think that's what really has hurt them, especially on defense. And they've never really had a great offense um, ever. I can't recall the last time they've had a good or fun offense, maybe like 2013. I don't know. Um, but like, it's, I, I really think that it's, it's a, it's a problem where like this team can't really recruit. And if you're not developing players, you don't really have a program. So um, I, I think that's part of the issue is they're just in kind of one of those ruts, maybe in three years, they'll be stronger once a lot of these guys have had more time to play in the program and stuff like that. But right now they're playing quite a few inexperienced players um, that frankly aren't very good. And that's just a losing combination. Talking with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Mina Midfield, awful announcing and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. We don't need to spend more time on Northwestern. I think we both know it's, uh, we all know it's going to go and be a pretty one-sided affair. But we did have some news with the first playoff rankings of the season coming out last night. Not too many things were surprising. Number one, Tennessee, Ohio State, two. Georgia three, Clemson four, Michigan outside of the top four currently at five, Alabama six, TCU seventh, Oregon was eight, USC ninth. The one thing that was a bit of a surprise, LSU all the way up to number 10, the highest team ranking for a team with two losses. What were your thoughts on what we saw for the uh, first college football playoff ranks of the year? Yeah, I think the only one that was like infuriating was LSU sitting up there at 10. Like, I, I don't know what that is. I don't know. If you told me that that was just a prop to get Alabama a top 10 win, I'd 100% believe you because <laughs> I don't I don't think that team's done anything to deserve getting a, a top 10 ranking. Um, I don't know. That 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 frustrated me, especially when you've got like actually good team like UCLA and Illinois. What how do how's Illinois down at 16 and LSU's at 10? Um, I don't know. I Illinois is in one of those positions where they're going to have to um they'll they'll earn it or not earn it with games against Michigan and Ohio state. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But other than that, I mean, it is, it's kind of what to be expected. Um, I, I'm glad that the committee put Tennessee at number one, instead of Georgia. Um, I, I think Tennessee or Ohio state could have been number one, but Tennessee makes sense, especially given, um, you know, Ohio state does not have the, the caliber of wins that, that Tennessee does. Uh, and then I think, realistically Ohio state's going to stay at number two, regardless of what happens this weekend, because either Georgia's going to hop up to number one or Tennessee's going to solidify its place at number one outside of that, um, Michigan over or Clemson over Michigan's pretty hilarious. I like that. Um, I, I think Michigan's probably a better football team, but Clemson over Michigan's funny. Um, other than that, maybe TCU is a little underrated too. Uh, I, I think TCU has been a lot of fun. I think Clemson and TCU, They've played a lot of close games. They've played a lot of tough games, but they've played a lot of close games. And because they haven't really dominated any of these like close games or any of these good teams, nobody is really talking about them as like these teams that are like surpassing expectations or anything like that because they're winning close games, but they're still winning. So um, they're a really unique case where I think they might actually be better than people think that they are. Whereas like a team like Georgia might actually be a little worse than people think Georgia and Alabama might be a little worse than people think that they are um, just because, you know, people seem to like teams that win really big and um, dominate teams more than they like teams that win a bunch of difficult games close. So 
Um, I think that's kind of working against Clemson and TCU here. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to be really mad about. Uh, I, I, I try not to get mad, too mad about these rankings. We'll save that for, what, like four or five weeks? And looking, yeah, we'll we'll definitely save that for for a couple of weeks if uh, if outrage needs to continue. But looking uh, looking back at last week's games, uh, there were some pretty noteworthy ones. You did have, of course, Tennessee taking care of business against Kentucky in a game people some people thought Tennessee might struggle. We had the Michigan beating Michigan State uh, matchup, and we continue to see uh, various fallout from that brawl in the tunnel. Uh, TCU beating West Virginia. And we had Kansas State. They beat up on Oklahoma State. That was ooh, that was that was not pretty. Uh, same thing for Louisville over Wake Forest. Uh, we saw Notre Dame get a big win over Syracuse. So we've actually seen Syracuse lose their last two games to Clemson and to Notre Dame. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we saw this past weekend? Yeah, it was it was uh, one of those a rare weekend where like almost everything kind of just like went according to plan. Um, I mean, there there is like that Kansas State upset uh, where they just put it on Oklahoma State. Even if you expected Kansas State to win, I don't think you really expected it to go that way. Um, other than that, I mean, Georgia, Florida kind of went exactly how you expected it to. Tennessee got a really impressive win against Kentucky. Um, I think that that game was, um, I don't know, that it, it, it was close for like a few seconds. And then Tennessee just kind of put it on them. And then Hooker had a really good game. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was a, a dominant performance from, uh, Tennessee in a, in a game that easily could have been like kind of a sleepwalk game with Georgia, uh, coming up next, but, um, they really came out and, and really solidified that. Um, other than that, there wasn't a ton. Um, I mean, you had that Notre Dame over Syracuse game. There were a lot more games where, uh, the lower tier teams kind of proved who they were, who they were with either getting a big win or a big loss. Uh, I, I joked about South Carolina being ranked last week. That was a, a short adventure. They <laughs> lost 23 to 10 to Missouri of all yeah. teams. So um had to, I need to do my victory lap there. But um, other than that, I, I think that it was kind of what to be expected. And we've got a really big weekend coming up this weekend with uh, obviously, um, obviously Ohio state and Northwestern, but uh, with Tennessee, Georgia too. I like I like I like the uh, the turn there where we think you're going to say Tennessee, Georgia, and it's you just re- mention Ohio State once again. But yes, looking ahead to this weekend, we have Tennessee against Georgia, a nice little top five matchup. Also have Texas against Kansas State, Wake Forest against NC State, and some ranked matchups and Clemson versus Notre Dame. And Clemson, they're only a three and a half point favorite going into uh, going into South Bend, and if uh, if we do see a performance from Notre Dame. You know, similar to what they did last week. I mean, they they beat Syracuse pretty good, and it it took uh, it took some help for Clemson to beat Syracuse. I know the the uh, transitive property doesn't always work quite that well, but that uh, that could actually turn out to be turn out to be one of the fun ones too. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, you're looking at I I think that um, Notre Dame really slipped up in that Stanford loss because if you if they beat Stanford and they easily could have um, a, a lot just went wrong in that game. If you beat Stanford, you're looking at, you know, wins against North Carolina, BYU, Syracuse, and then a chance to beat Clemson. Like that's that's a really good turnaround for this yeah. team. Um, and so uh, all in all, it still has been a good turnaround. Like they looked like they were headed for disaster when they lost to Ohio State and then Marshall the next week. But, um, you know, things are going fine. 
Um, and they still get yeah, to play I, USC later in the year. They do. They do. So it, at the end of the day, like this could be a team that they have three losses. They're not going to compete for a college football playoff title or anything like that, but they could sneak their way into like the top 15. If they actually, you know, finish this with a win over Clemson and Sear and USC, um, they're really going to regret that Stanford loss a lot, but um, yeah, that's a really intriguing matchup to me. Um, I'll be watching it. I, I, like I said, I think Clemson might actually be a little better than, um, than, they're performing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense is pretty good. Uh, I I don't love Clemson. I don't. I mean, I, I don't love Notre Dame either. But uh, I I think top to bottom, that's a, a decent team. Um, I don't think it's like a, a a legitimate national title contender. I don't think it's going to beat Ohio State, Tennessee, or Georgia. But uh, it, it it's a team that easily could go undefeated here on out and end up in the college football playoff. Um, outside of that, uh, I think I'm going to be watching. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be watching Tennessee, Georgia. That's like the big one of the of the game or of the week. Um, tough to to go this week without talking about them. Um, I mean, Tennessee, it feels like is way too much of an underdog in that game. Um, I think there's I, there's no I, the only scenario that would surprise me in this game is Georgia winning in a blowout. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Tennessee's got way too much firepower. Um, I, I just and Georgia doesn't doesn't steamroll teams. That's just not what they do, especially in close games. Unless you're um, unless you're Oregon. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's the weirdest thing. Like Oregon's hanging up here in the college football football playoff rankings at number eight, one of the best teams in the country. And like they have that like kind of elephant on their schedule of like they just got wrecked against Georgia. And so like I do we are we allowed to just call that an anomaly because it was so early in the season? Like have they really changed all that much since then? But like. I will tell you what that game is just like ruining a lot of people's advanced stats because like, what do you do with that? Yeah. Uh, Georgia has not played that way since then. And so if you like, I've seen a few charts where it's like, here's what Georgia looks like on this chart with this game in, here's what they look like with this game removed. And like outside of that one game against a team that's otherwise proven super, super good. Like Georgia has not looked that way. And it's, it's the biggest and, anomaly that i remember in a college football season so far so um i that's going to be fascinating to see what the committee does with that because there's a very real scenario that um you're comparing a hot oregon team and a georgia team each with one loss is they're both trying to get into the college football playoff i don't really think that they would actually put oregon over them but man like the way that they're both playing there's it's hard for me it for me is a watcher of college football to say that Oregon is worse than Georgia right now and they got absolutely smacked earlier in the season like it wasn't just like a a fluke fluke play or something like that that went wrong so um yeah I, I'm going to continue to watch that because that is that is very fascinating to me uh just how Oregon's turned it around and how Georgia just really hasn't looked as dominant since then so um obviously that could all be moot uh, that point could be completely moot this week if uh, Georgia comes out and dominates Tennessee and kind of solidifies their standing as a top team in college football. But um, yeah, that is all around a very, very interesting uh, conversation. We'll certainly have a lot to digest uh, next week when we catch up. But this is, of course, Ben Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with Awful Announcing and the Comeback. We, of course, follow you on Twitter at Kevinus. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, guys.
With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Tiffin Calvert head volleyball coach Lori Rombach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Think you can't qualify for a car loan because of your past credit, bankruptcy, divorce, even repossessions and charge-offs? Well, think again and turn the corner to Warner. Warner Buick GMC can help you find the money you need for a car. Call 419-429-6157. That's 419-429-6157. Or apply online at warnerbuickgmc.com. Let Warner help you get a car today. For price, selection, and service, Warner won't be beat. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Come on now, you know you've heard of those famous breadsticks. The ones oozing with cheese and a variety of other toppings you can choose from? That's right. The ones from Campus Poly Ice, the world famous ones. Don't forget Campus Poly Ice for tasty subs, pizza, your favorite beer, and even salads. One of Finley's best kept secrets. Don't forget to try the house made ranch dressing. Getting your favorite goodie from Campus Poly Ice is easy. Located at 339 South Blanchard Street, Campus Poly Ice offers dine in, carry out, or delivery. What you waiting on? Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. The Tiffin Calvert volleyball team has won their fifth straight district title with a win in straight sets over Fremont St. Joe. They will play on Thursday night in the regional semifinals at the Elida Fieldhouse. We'll have coverage of that match Thursday night around 7.30 following the conclusion of Cary versus Hicksville. If they win Thursday, they would return on Saturday to play the winner of Cary and Hicksville at the Lida Field House. You can hear all of that right here on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI with Matt Common and myself for your home for Calvert Volleyball. And we are now pleased to be joined by Tiffin Calvert head volleyball coach Lori Romback here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Great, Lance. Great. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us as we finally get the chance to truly catch up after we've seen however many matches of uh, this season that we've gotten the chance to cover. But looking back, uh, getting going into the summer, uh, getting ready for the season, you obviously had to replace a lot of great players. Some of those players, you know, had been players that started since that state title team in 2018. You know, Emma White, your daughter Kate, AJ Hemminger, that's only naming a couple of them. What was the process like for you and your staff to get ready for the season? Yeah, it's a it's a good point that you bring up. You know, it, it going into this season, we we've had a lot of new positions that we needed to fill. And there was some really good talent 
you know, kind of waiting in the wings and ready to step in. And, you know, specifically with, with our setting position, you know, Olivia Miller has worked her tail off um, for this position. And, you know, she stepped in, she stepped in nicely and she's done a great job with, you know, running our offense. And it's just, a, it's a process. It's a process to fill, you know, all of these positions. And, you know, you take the summer, you take uh, preseason, you take, you know, the beginning of the season to try girls in different spots and try to get things to mesh. And, you know, it's not an easy process, but it's one that we take really serious. And coach, I have two questions to get started right off the bat. First one is definitely more significant, more important than the other. Number one, were you singing and dancing along the ice ice baby in the huddle <laughs> over there Matt, in that district finals <laughs> last, Matt, last thir- Thursday? Matt, why did I know you were going to ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't discuss what goes on in the huddle. <laughs> no. Um, yes, we were having a moment. It was uh, it's one of our team's favorite songs. So, yes, we were we were having a little moment. Oh. <laughs> okay, just... I was about to give some real in-depth analysis as the game was going on. And all of a sudden I look and I see hands going up and down and it looked like you were dancing. I was like, I I think they're dancing and saying along to ice ice baby. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that information. That's great. Uh, Actual significant question. Uh, Looking back at the seniors that you did have to replace, you mentioned just how hard the girls have worked. I'm very curious in terms of some of your senior leadership in particular Hannah Mill really having to step in and take on that leadership role I mean I've seen it out on the court several times when you know on the very rare occasion that a match starts to get somewhat kind of close or like starts to sniff towards getting close with you guys she really seems to have taken on that leadership role what can you say about her development as a team leader for sure I mean Hannah is you know the anchor of our team and she has the experience not only from you know playing in the 2020 state championship you know, she's been to regional finals in 19 and 21. And, you know, not to mention, she has been in some really significant club matches. She's played for, you know, national championship um, in in our club team. So Hannah's been under the pressure um, in big, big situations. And, you know, she's just, she has a lot of experience. She, She leads our team by example. Anybody that has watched Hannah play knows she works hard. She works her tail off. And not only, you know, that, but Hannah's also a really, she has a very high volleyball IQ. She's very tactical and not only on herself, but for the rest of us as well. She shares things in our huddles that she sees and, you know, passes along information to other girls on the team. And that's just, that's not something you find all the time in a high school athlete. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach Lori Rombach. How different was it for you getting ready for this season uh, with Kate having graduated and been with you for the last four years? How how different did that make it getting ready for the year? Well, I think, I mean, from a team standpoint, it's, you know, of course I miss having, you know, my daughter there, you know, for the summer stuff and all of that. Um but, you know, personally, she, she went to college and our oldest son, you know, is traveling abroad the first semester. So there was, you know, that dynamic there. But when it comes uh, to a team perspective, you know, I, I don't want to minimize things, but it was really no different than any other year, you know, coming in and, and trying to get a new team uh, together. Um, you know, I, I don't I didn't I never looked at Kate any differently, you know, than 
when it came to, you know, putting girls in the right spot on the court than I do anybody else that wasn't my daughter. So it, w- it was a challenge to try to fill all the spots. Coach, obviously we keep mentioning, you know, players that had to be replaced, but I do want to mention one of the players that has done the replacing. You kind of alluded to her already and I've already talked about her sister with Olivia Miller. What can you tell about her development as a setter and really as one of the more animated players on the team? It's You, you can definitely feel the energy change with Olivia Miller as she really gets locked in in some of those bigger matches. For sure. I mean, Olivia, uh, she she wears her emotions on her on her sleeve and she's just a hard worker. I and mean, she um, she's probably harder on herself than any coach needs to be. Um, and that's a challenging thing to try to, you know, work with an athlete on. Like, you know, volleyball is a sport where there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be errors. We don't expect perfection. And, and I think, you know, that's something that we're trying to, you know, hammer home with Olivia is especially when, I mean, her hands are on the ball, you know, every, in every possession, you know, so she's gonna, she's not going to be perfect every time and we don't need her to be perfect. And, you know, she has the trust and the support from her teammates. And we're just trying to, you know, continue to uh, reiterate that to her that, you know, we're all behind her. We're all next to her. And she's just stepped in great to this role. She had some big shoes to fill. Um, you know, with Emma White leaving. And I think she's done a great job. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with Tiffin Calvert and volleyball coach Lori Rombeck. And we've talked in the past about how important it's been for your team to get some of these tough non-league matchups. And you did that once again with pretty much everything you played with in the Norwalk Invitational, Division I St. Ursula, Division II Liberty Benton. Norwalk St. Paul Division Four program, but they've always been uh, one of the top teams year in, year out. How much do you think some of those matchups in particular helped to get your team prepared for the stage they're at now? They've been very important, I think, along in the process. It, I mean, even starting back at the Norwalk Invitational when we played um, Wooster, I mean, that was, that was a really good match for us. We lost the first set. And that was one of the first times that the girls were really battle tested and we fought back and we won the next two sets. Um, That was a really big win for us. I think we learned a lot as a team on on that game, you know, and at that same tournament, we faced Bishop Hartley, who is unbelievable. And, you know, we did not win that match. We tried, was hoping to get at least a set from them. And I think the scores were 25, 20 and 25, 21, I believe. I, I know it was competitive and, you know, we learned a lot from that, that match. And then the St. Ursula match, I mean, we walked away, it was a great experience at um, BG playing at the Stroh Center, but you know, what we learned from that loss was like so important. And I think when you're pushed and pushed and pushed and pressured, and that's when some of your deficiencies make their way to the top. And that's how we learn. And coach, I, I definitely think back to that St. Ursula game, some of the things that occurred in that matchup in particular, it's, you know, it showed some areas that the team could grow in, but I mean, hats off to you guys, definitely seem to have developed very strongly in those areas since that game. Um, uh, My my question is, when it comes to you as a coach talking with your team, knowing you're going against like a Bishop Hartley, knowing what may be coming up in that particular match it, it, is there still the sense of urgency of hey we really want to win this thing or is it more about we're using this as a way to see where we're at at this point not so much if we win great 
But if we don't win, it's not the end of the world. We can use this and build from that point going forward. No, I mean, we go into every match with 100% of the intention that we're going to win 100% of the time. Uh, never once do we say going into a match, if we don't win, we'll at least lose from it. I mean, when we're preparing, I think in hindsight, we can say that, but going into a match, um, we are competing with 100% intent to, to win um, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's a little maybe intimidating at times going against some of these bigger schools and some of these girls are, you know, committed to, you know, division one colleges that, you know, they're amazing athletes. We're going to be watching them on TV next year and future years. And that can be intimidating. And it is a great opportunity for us to get better. I mean, Hannah Miller wants to, wants to dig balls from those girls. I mean, she, that's how she gets better. She wants to do that. So I think it's a mindset that we, I, I try to say to them, you know, that one girl isn't going to beat us. It's going to take more than one girl to beat us. And, um, you know, some of these teams have more than just one girl. And in a couple of situations, it was just too much for us to be able to get. This is the NW Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Tiffin Calvert Head Volleyball Coach Lori Romback. Was there a moment or either in practice or in an actual match where you just thought everything kind of clicked and you're like, huh, this team actually is pretty dang special. Was there Was there a moment like that for you? No, I don't think there was like a single moment. I feel from the very beginning when we started meeting together in the summertime, you know, you have girls that step up. Um, some of these girls that have experience, you know, the Hannah Millers, the Caroline Lanishek's, the Cameron Shooks, you know, the Cecilia Palms, and these girls that are just natural leaders and, and they step up and then they welcome and, you know, encourage the Carly Myers and the Emily Millers and the Claire Schellenbergers, these freshmen girls to, you know, keep showing up. And that's the part that where it's as a coach, it's just awesome to see. It's really awesome to see that morphing of the classes and, you know, where they're, they truly are competing for the same positions and the moment in which they all just, you know, come together and support each other. It's a beautiful thing. And it's definitely not a switch that happens. It's not, Oh, it happened today. It's definitely a process. And, you know, it's, it's a privilege to be able to watch that process happen. And, you know, part of that process is seeing uh, new skill sets for players that we may not have been prepared to see. One, one comes to mind for me is uh, Carolyn Lanachek and her ability to serve. I mean, that has been quite remarkable what she's been able to do in that regard. And also Cameron Chook, just her development overall. Those two juniors, what, what can you tell us about them? that, I mean, we don't already know. They're both phenomenal. They're both extremely talented, capable. But what, what have you seen from their development and growth that really, like, okay, the, these two have come a very long way. I mean, Cameron is a captain, for Pete's sake. I mean, that, that's a huge accomplishment for a junior. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they make each other better. I mean, even at practice, we have middles against middles. And, you know, Caroline's going against Cameron day in and day out. And it's such a friendly competitive situation between the two of them. Cameron wants to make Caroline better. Caroline wants to make Cameron better. And then, you know, the, the output or the side effect is our team gets better. And, it, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, they're, they're both middles, they're both left-handed, but they're just so different as I'm sure you guys observe, you know, when you're calling the games as well, it's, 
you know, Caroline worked a lot in her club season to get her defense better and her back row better. And, you know, we, we used her defensively at the beginning part of the season and towards the end of the season, I mean, uh, Claire Schoenberger's really stepped up, but I mean, Caroline, she's a very good option for us to keep defensively in the back row as well. She, she covers a lot of space being, you know, as tall as she is, she has a really good read on the ball. Uh, so, you know, you may end up seeing her some more in the back row, even in the next, you know, the next game, who knows? Um, and, and then you have Cameron who just offensively her arm swing and how she moves, um, is, is just unparalleled. I mean, it's, it's awesome to watch when she gets the sets where she needs them and, you know, her arm swing, it's, she terminates the ball and it's a beautiful thing to watch. And you already mentioned it a little bit with some of those other juniors you just talked about, but both Allie Porter and Cecilia Palm have certainly developed at the varsity level. I know Cecilia got some time last year. I know Allie Porter got some, you know, near the latter stages of the year once uh, once the JV matches were done. But what can you say about those two in particular and what they've helped bring to the table with, you know, Allie Porter stepping in, being one of your best servers, as well as, you know, on the attack sometimes, and for Cecilia Palm, you know, stepping into that role as the libero. Yeah, I mean, Allie and Cecilia both have, have made our team so much stronger. And going into the year, you know, we, we needed to replace, um, you know, the outside hitting position. And there were several girls, you know, that we were trying in the spot. And um, Allie just, she has a coolness, a chillness um, about her. And she's so competitive and it's in such a quiet, calm way that it's awesome to see. Um, she, she thinks so much and she's very intentional with what she's trying to do. Uh, she, it, she's just doing a great job on the outside with us. Um, and Cecilia, I mean, defensively, she, you know, from where she started at the beginning of the season as to where she's at now, she just has really gotten so confident and comfortable um, back there. She, she's a leader on our team. The girls respect her. She has an energy and it's just a great, it's great to see her when she's dialed in and in the zone because she has a great read on the ball. And uh, so, since we're, since we're going down the list here, two more players, you already mentioned Claire a little bit. I, I'm also very intrigued by what you've seen from Carly Meyer so far this season. Cause I, I'll tell you what it's, well, wa watching Carly out there, I, I get spitting images of Carolyn from the state title run as a freshman getting in there, getting a few, cracks that get some moments where she can really step up it kind of getting that same vibe from Carly Meyer and her development overall what have you seen from her and obviously the rest of the freshmen that have gotten some time herself Schoenberger and um Emily Miller I mean yeah Claire or um Carly is I mean she's the ultimate uh team player I mean she really is she will do anything that the coaches ask um if she knows it's going to make the team better and that's a hard role for some girls to step in I mean, you look back at the uh, St. Ursula game. I mean, I think one of the one of the main reasons we did not win the St. Ursula game is we underutilized Carly, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and at watching that film, you know, we changed a lot of things offensively because we were underutilizing Carly. And, um, you know, we are utilizing her a little bit more on the right side and, you know, in the middle. She She is a freshman, but I'll tell you, she is so hard on herself and she wants – she wants to make our team better. And if that means just putting her hands up and blocking, that's what she's going to do. If that means getting, you know, one out of 10 sets, that's what she's going to do. If that means getting eight out of 10 sets, that's what she's going to do. I mean, that's just the kind of athlete that Carly is. And she works very hard. 
she worked really hard in her club season, um, you know, to, to master the craft of hitting on the right side. And she's gotten so much better since the beginning of the season. Um, she's just, she's a great um, addition to our team. She really is. And, you know, Claire Schoenberger, she's, she's chopping at the bit just to get more and more and more. And I guess that's what you want from your athletes that are young. Um, you know, they, they want, they want to get out on the court. She'll, she wants to serve. We have her playing back row for Caroline and I mean, Matt, and you commented on Caroline's serve. It's wicked. I mean, it's wicked good. So, you know, Claire's in a little bit of a, of a difficult position because she has so much more to give our team, but right now she's doing exactly what our team needs and she's doing a great job of it. And she's also very good at being the first player to get to the net after introductions. She's kind of mastered that too. <laughs> you notice. <laughs> Because, well, we noticed because there was, I think it was the BG game where she got down like in a three-point stance and yes. just booked it to the net. And Matt was like, what is she doing? And I'm like, I think she just wanted to win the race to the net. These girls like to compete in anything they can do, I guess. That, that, that's fantastic. Uh, to be fair, though, to, be, to have to work around Carolyn Lanachek and her developing the Slamachek as part of her serving game as well, that's it has to be a good problem to have as, as a coach where it's like, okay, now I need to find another spot to rotate this other talented player in because we just got this aspect out of Caroline as well. For sure. I mean, that's the depth of our team. I mean, you, you nail it right on the head, Matt. I mean, that's, we have depth on our team. I mean, you, I mean, you even mentioned Emily Miller. I mean, Emily Miller is, you know, sister to obviously Hannah and Olivia as well. And she's a freshman and, you know, she's, she to watch her compete in practice. I mean, she is, she's got it. She's got it. And it's hard to not be able to find, you know, a spot for her on the court right now. And, you know, when she does get that opportunity, I have complete confidence that Emily is going to do exactly what she needs to do. And she's um, her skill level is just far exceeding a lot of her age. That's for sure. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach Lori Rombach. Looking ahead to Thursday, your opponent for the regional semis is Convoy Crestview, 18-7 and on the season. They were able to beat Lipsick to win their district title. What are some of the things you've seen from them getting ready for Thursday? Yeah, I mean, we've watched, obviously, some film and, you know, starting to do our, our research on things. And they're a very competitive team. They're tall. I mean, they have a really tall, they have a 6'2 uh, middle hitter. They have a very dynamic setter. Uh, she's 5'10", plays a 5'1", and when she's in the front row, I mean, she attacks. I think she has over 100 kills on the season. Uh, so we really haven't faced a setter um, like that, I don't believe, yet. Uh, so, you know, that's something that we're really preparing for is just, you know, we have to stop her when she's in the front row. And coach, obviously going back to what we affectionately referred to as Calvert's second home away from home, the Elida Fieldhouse. Uh, what, what can you tell us about the atmosphere down there? It, it seems like it, it doesn't matter if the gym's a quarter full, half full, completely full, that 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 place is just rocking all the time. You know, Matt, I am so excited to go back to the Alighted Fieldhouse. It is, it's a great place to compete. Um, you know, last year, actually, since 18, our um, district has always been in Fostoria, and Fostoria has got a, a pretty good-sized gym. And then going from Fostoria to Elida was kind of a natural progression um, in things. And, I mean, in this year, Fremont's facility was beautiful. It was amazing, but it was definitely much smaller than Fostoria. So a little bit of, 
you know, our, our work this week is just kind of preparing some of the younger girls that haven't competed, you know, at a gym like the Elida Fieldhouse, just getting them ready for that atmosphere because it is different. It's a lot different, but, you know, Dave Evans over there does a great job um, just with getting things set up and making us feel welcome. And it's just an awesome place to compete. And I'm so excited for this team to be able to compete in a regional game again. I mean, that's something special that I never want to normalize or minimize. It's really exciting for us. And what is the kind of overall message to your team as you get ready for the regionals? And like you said, you don't want to minimize anything. You want to, you know, elaborate and allow each step to be its own thing and be special. Because like you said, this is not something that is actually normal. It's just you guys have been so dang good that you make it look normal. (laughs) And I think, you know, the message to the team is – you know, we have to win. We have to win on Thursday. That's the only thing that we are focusing on. Um, you know, we're not looking past anything other than Convoy Crestview. This is what we have in front of us. And, you know, we have to just have that faith and trust in each other um, and that faith and trust in ourselves individually to do nothing special, but just do what we do. And if we do our our jobs and do what we do, we're going to come out on top. And coach, last one for me, a two-parter. First off, what are you expecting from the Calvert faithful in terms of getting the field house rocking for you guys? And then second, besides Ice Ice Baby, are there any others that in the moment during the timeout would cause all coaching and strategy to stop just for you guys to break it down? And if so, how big of a speaker should I bring? Um, (laughs) I'll answer the first one, Matt. I'm not answering the second one. Um, wait, I forget the first question already. Uh, the, oh, the Calvert Faithful. Cal- the Calvert Faithful. Cal- Calvert Faithful. Yeah. yeah. No, there is no doubt in my mind that we will bring um, a crowd and support. We always do. And that is so exciting and amazing for these girls to be able to compete in front of a crowd that is electric and behind them. It it just feels so good. It feels so good um, for them to see them, you know, competing in an environment where there's so many people that are supporting them. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a sea of of Calvert fans in support of us. This has been Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach, Lori Rombach. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Thursday against Convoy Crestview and on Saturday, if you are able to get there against either Cary or Hicksville. Thanks so much, Lance. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you guys, your support this whole season, and uh, we'll see you at Elida. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Tiffin Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Great news, Fostoria. The new watershed near the corner of 4th and Finley Streets is now open. This watershed offers another convenient location in the southwest corner of town to purchase pure water. You can also use the watershed off of Plaza Drive. Both watersheds are open 24-7 every day of the year. So grab your quarters and your containers and head to the closest watershed near you. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 shift differential for the third shift. 
Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome to Bigby Coffee, your home away from home that picks you up and leaves you in a better mood than when you arrived. No matter who you are, we know we'll have a drink for you and her and him. You see, here at Bigby, we can customize our drinks for each person, dairy or no dairy, coffee or no coffee. We've got you covered, hot, iced or frozen. Bigby Coffee is one of a kind, just like you. With locations on Tiffin Avenue and Trenton Avenue in Finley to serve you. Roto-Rooter is always the first name you think of when you have problems with your sewer system or any other household drains. Tim Munger and Roto-Rooter will thoroughly clean your sewer system, sink, shower drains, and toilets. The Mungers have been serving the Faustoria and Seneca County area for over 65 years. Give Tim Munger a call at 419-435-3360. That's 419-435-3360 for all of your drain cleaning needs. And away go troubles down the drain. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. The Tiffin Columbian Tornadoes currently 9-2 on the season. They won their opening round matchup with Rocky River. They will be at home once again on Friday night. This time they will match up against Padua Franciscan. We are now pleased to be joined by Tiffin Columbian head football coach John Lutz here in the Frickers Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for for taking the time to talk with us. And and I'm always interested in asking coaches, you know, if this season was finally when things truly started to feel back to normal. Of course, 2020 had plenty of restrictions, still had some of those restrictions in different places in 2021. But is this year finally where things are truly back to normal for you guys? Yeah, I think um, it's felt the most typical, you know, compared to historical years last year. Yeah, there was still some stuff kind of lingering over your head and, you know, certain hoops to maybe jump through or things you had to be on the lookout for and adhere to. But uh, a lot of those things just did not exist this year. And, uh, you know, we still learned a lot about our program and um, things that we maybe could tweak and improve, you know, during that uh, COVID year, too. So uh, a lot of lessons learned that are still kind of around today. And one thing I'm always impressed with is your team's non-league schedule. It's pretty much always tough, but this year, this year was no different. Three of those five teams uh, ended up making the playoffs, Fremont Ross, River Valley, Bishop Watterson. With how the league is set up with the SBC and how you don't start league play until a little later in the season, how much does that impact how you guys set up your non-league matchups? Um, yeah, you know, I'll be very honest. You know, you uh, always want to find, you know, um, opponents that you feel would be good for your program one way or the other, you know, challenging or, you know, maybe local and, and somewhat nearby and, um, you know, diverse as far as what they offer and, you know, in order to make your team a better, uh, better team throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, but we're finding ourselves in a situation where we're pretty desperate, um, you know, sometimes where uh, just hard to find opponents that, that will agree to play you and, um, and that's, you know, kudos to the kids and the players and the coaches and the program for, you know, continuing to elevate itself. And, you know, we've we've contacted a lot of teams that are maybe in the area or not even in the area, just in the in the state that, you know, are similar size or slightly bigger, slightly smaller. And 
um, you know, and, and they kind of laugh at playing us saying like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do that. And, um, you know, again, respect and um, in a lot of, uh, a lot of ways, but at the same point, uh, a little bit frustrating. And when, yeah, when you have a conference with really good uh, teams to come, you don't want to load it up just ridiculous and beat the heck out of your guys in the, in the early part of the season, but at the same point, you do want to challenge them. And so um, it's, it's a challenge to put to put together a schedule, but uh, our athletic director, myself, you know, do our best and got it filled for next year, except for a week two team. So if you're a high school coach out there looking for a week two opponent, we are still uh, open and uh, and looking. So we'll see. And not to toot uh, your own horn too much, but how much of that do you attribute to the fact that this program, you know, a handful of years ago had an over season, whereas now you guys are year in, year out, one of the top teams, if not the best team in your league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we, you know, 2016, um, you know, I think going back here off the top of my head, 2015, the program was four and six, 2016, two and eight and 2017, oh, and 10. Um, you know, those coming out of those years, um, you know, it's pretty easy to schedule games. And I wasn't a part of all those years, but uh, seen it where, you know, you know, yeah, I was a part of the program coming out of zero and 10 year, you get a lot of people, um, you know, wanting to play you the following year or years. And so it's a little bit easier maybe to build a schedule, but you follow it up with, you know, eight and two, nine and two, eight and threes, um, and playoff runs, uh, it becomes a little bit more difficult to find a suitor and, uh, find a willing opponent to, you know, match up against. So again, kudos and, and credit to the program and the kids and the coaches and, um, it's okay. It's a good problem to have. I'd rather have that problem. Talk with Tim Columbian head football coach Judd Lutz here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And one thing I've looked at is, is your defense has been really impressive for a good majority of games this season. Five times you've either shut a team out or you've held them to the single digits and uh, total points. What has went into the defense this year and making it into what it is now when you have, you know, multiple games in a row where you're holding teams a lot in check. Yeah. Um, you, you know, a lot of it starts in the off season planning and, um, you know, you look at first your personnel, who you have and what you anticipate being, what they anticipate being able to do and be successful at. And then you build a, build a plan out of that. And you want to keep it as consistent year in and year out as you can. Um, so you're not, you know, completely revamping things, but sometimes you got to make more changes than others. Um, and, and so the, the planning started soon after the season, I'll be honest with you, um, in order to revamp the defense a little bit and become more successful. So you look at what you struggled at the previous year, stopping or, um, you know, weren't good at and uh, start putting together a plan that will hopefully be successful. And um, so far, it's been, you know, really good in a lot of ways, but obviously still looking for perfection because uh, that's the line. Big win for you guys last week in that first round matchup with Rocky River. What can you say about uh, your team from Friday and what you uh, what you thought of it? I uh, thought we, you know, played really, um, really good complimentary football. You know, um, defense did a great job getting a lot of early stops in the game, getting the ball right back to, back to our offense. And the offense did a great job moving the ball and scoring. And um, when you're doing both of those things, obviously it feels really good. You're getting stops on defense, getting a ball to your offense, and they're going down and turning it into points. Um, and your special teams obviously making plays when necessary too uh, are really important. So I thought we were really good in all three phases. Um, and that's good to see, but at the same point, you got to repeat it and do it all over again because you don't carry any of that uh, into the next game. So um, that's where we got to be. 
One guy I've been impressed with has been uh, Braden Rogo. He, of course, split time at quarterback his first couple seasons, but this year it's pretty much been the entire time it's been the Braden Rogo show. Uh, what can you say about what you've seen in his development and what we've seen, you know, him grow throughout this year? Yeah, you know, um, someone who's extremely driven individually and collectively, uh, puts a great deal amount of work into his craft, and someone who's, you know, a three-sport athlete and, um, wants to win first and foremost. And he obviously knows individually, you know, he's got to be performing at his best in order for the team to succeed. Um, but at the same point is willing to do whatever it takes. If that means running the ball, if that means scrambling, if that means handing it off because the run games, you know, being successful um, and just complimenting it that way. Um, you know, he wants to win first and foremost. He's not driven by, you know, exclusively just stats and trying to inflate his own stats in any way, say or perform. He wants to win and make some deep playoff runs and continue to put this program, you know, and elevate the program throughout the state. And, um, you know, was elected captain this year as a junior, uh, which, you know, goes to show the respect and uh, trust that his teammates have in him. And um, it has earned that, uh, not only with his play, but his preparation. And so we're, we're really blessed and lucky to have, that's for sure. You just mentioned it with uh, your running game, and it always seems even when you do have, you know, great quarterback, great receivers, you seem to do a good job complementing them with another good running back. And we see that again in Damian Brockington, a uh, first-team all-league player for you guys. W what can you say about him as a runner and what he helps bring to the offense? Yeah, uh, you know, special kid, special kid in a lot of ways, extremely dynamic with the ball in his hand, shifty, explosive, um, could accelerate uh, very quickly um, and really tough to tackle in the open field. And then when he, you know, does get an angle, extremely hard to, to tackle um, and, and runs really tough too between the tackles for, you know, someone who's as fast and uh, shifty as he is and uh, threat out of the backfield as well, catching the ball in the perimeter. So, uh, again, a, a really special athlete, but a good amount of work in this season to pr prepare his body and um, and get ready for kind of the workload in the backfield or defense. And, um, you know, he's shown a lot of people just how good he is. And that's not a huge surprise to us because um, we've seen it, you know, throughout his career, you know, as a younger guy. Um, but obviously very proud of uh, what he has done so far this year. Talking with Tim Columbian, head football coach Judd Lutz here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. And one of the things that goes hand-in-hand -hand with the running game is, of course, the guys up front in that offensive line. What can you say about the group of guys you have up front and how they've came together throughout the year? Yeah, um, great. You know, we – we play seven guys up front throughout the course uh, of a game in different ways. You know, we got our five starters and then we'll bring in a sixth. We'll bring in a seventh uh, guy. I'm still trying to convince the coaches to bring in even an eighth guy um, just because, you know, when we get off the ball the way we do with some of our run scheme and um, our control on the ball and um, knocking the D line and linebackers back and handing it to a kid like Brockington and um, Keyshawn Sites and also Braden running it and some of our sl slot receivers, you know, off the edge. Uh, it's really tough to stop. And I think of it from the, you know, a defensive mind, um, you know, how, how tough that can be to neutralize and stop with also having, you know, a really special quarterback and receivers on the outside that can beat you vertically or on the intermediate stuff. And so um, kudos to the O-line. They've really come together and gelled as a unit uh, throughout the year um, and take a great deal amount of pride in what they do. And, um, you know, for an offensive line to so far this year, they've 
um, you know, got over 2000 yards rushing and over 2000 yards passing, you know, that's um, really impressive from the fact that they're not just a one trick pony and, you know, they're really good at run blocking, but maybe not good at pass protecting or vice versa. Uh, they're really good at both. And uh, they take a great deal amount of pride in that. And again, credit goes to them and the coaches uh, for the work that they put in there with coach uh, Heberling and coach um, Cole. Taking a look at your opponent for Friday night in Padua Franciscan. They come in at 6-5. and five. That record, of course, a little bit deceiving. They played some really tough teams to start their season and, of course, went on the road to get the win last week in the first round over Buckeye. What have been some of the things you've seen from them on film and getting ready for Friday? Yeah, you know, you, you first kind of start with personnel and who they have, and you kind of go through their depth chart, and uh, they got some really impressive uh, players. You know, on the offensive side, they got five guys up front that are really big, like really big uh, for a high school offensive line. Got a quarterback who's really good size, has a big arm, can throw it a long way, um, fit it into tight windows and, you know, 6'4", 220, 225, I think. Um, and then he's got three different running backs. They all kind of um, hand the ball off to in different ways that are all really fast. And then you add in, you know, two to three receivers who can beat you vertically and a tight end who's really good catching the ball in space and blocking and uh you know you put those things on and you kind of maybe look at the record and you think five you know five losses in the regular season but then you look at where those five losses came from and three of them i think are the state ranked teams and so they're they're tested you know they've they've um seen great teams um scheduled them played with them and so you know that you're going to be prepared and then you look over to the defensive side of the football and it's 11 brand new starters really on the on that side of the ball and so that tells you they have a great amount of depth and um, they're probably really good at what they do because they can kind of focus on one position uh, probably throughout the week and, and preparation. And um, they're really, really good, very skilled, extremely you know, fast, but also having a good balance of size. And um, we're going to have our hands full. We're expecting a great football team and a great challenge and got to play great at this point in the season, really against anybody in order to have a chance to win. So uh, it's going to take our best efforts. And what kind of atmosphere are you expecting to see Friday night? You were fortunate enough to have yet another home game at Frost County, but of course will be the final home game before you hope to advance and then move on to the different neutral sites in the remainder of the playoffs. What kind of crowd are you expecting to see on Friday? Uh, it, I expect the whole town to show out, you know, um, really excited as always chance to play at home um, in front of our fans, in front of our community. And, you know, so many of these kids are homegrown and, have, uh, you know, people who've been following them for a whole long time. And obviously our program's been really blessed to have a great deal amount of tradition and um, and success and um, high expectations. So another chance to play in front of our hometown in a really, really meaningful game. So, um, you know, I think if anyone's got a chance to be there, a great night of weather as well. Um, you know, we anticipate some packed stands and, and a great atmosphere for sure. And then what's the overall message uh, to your team, uh, both in practice throughout the weekend, you know, right before you uh, get out on the field for Friday night, what's kind of been the overall message to your guys? You know, uh, a combination of, um, you know, breathing it in, meaning, you know, we're in rare air. You know, a lot of people would like to be where we are. Uh, so, you know, be where your feet are, uh, be, um, you know, uh, embrace that and, and don't take um, any of that for granted. But at the same point, there's a mission to accomplish and, um, you know, we can enjoy, you know, the journey and we can rest in the end. Um, but unless we get to the destination, you know, it's going to be a little bit uh, upsetting. So enjoy it for sure. But at the same point, um, you know, take care of business and uh, and do what uh, you've worked so hard to do up to this point.
This has been Tiffin Columbian head football coach John Lutz. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Padua Franciscan. Thank you so much. I appreciate the support and uh, having me on. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Everyone deserves a team of experts. Through Blanchard Valley Health System's membership with the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our doctors have access to the Mayo Clinic's knowledge, resources, and team of specialists. Our experts have experts, giving you the care you need close to home at no additional cost. For more information, please call 1-844-530-CARE. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right, they can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. And by the caring employees of the Ropey Corporation. We know what it takes. We've done it all. At Five Star Maintenance and Construction, we built our crew on the foundation of dedication, hard work, and pride. Pride in a job well done that exceeds our clients' expectations and is executed with precision from start to finish. Welcome to Five Star Maintenance and Construction. We have been a leader in the industry of property preservation and construction management in Northwest Ohio. Each division of Five Star has a seasoned team to tackle even the most challenging property preservation and a dedicated on-site property manager for each property. Five Star Maintenance. We know what it takes. You deserve a more empowering banking experience, and Premier Bank is giving you one. Earn $200 when you open a new simple checking account, and you'll enjoy easy mobile banking, no monthly account fees or minimum balance, and surcharge-free access to over 37,000 ATMs nationwide. Then get ready to enjoy $200 worth of, well, whatever you want. Visit yourpremierbank.com slash simple200 to view offer details. Premier Bank. Powered by people. Offer valid through September 30th. Member FDIC. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. The Finley Trojans lost a close one in the first round of the postseason to Perrysburg, 17-14. They will end their season 5-6 and six overall. We are now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here in the Fricker's Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, you know, definitely uh, trying to get accustomed to life without football at the moment, but overall good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely don't blame me on that one. But let's uh, let's get right into it. Friday, obviously yeah. a tough loss for you guys against Perrysburg. What were what were some of the good and bad you saw from your guys? You know, I think uh, you know there's so much to take out of it. I think uh, the only bad thing was we didn't, we didn't win the game. Um, you know, I was really pleased when you get time to kind of sit back and reflect a little bit I was really ex- pleased with our our game plan from our coaches um I, I thought they did a great job preparing the kids um and getting them ready to play ball uh, on the side on each side of the ball uh really loved the way our kids battled uh we had goals we went into the game thinking you know if we can keep uh you know them under 130 or keep Connor Wiley under 134 you know, under 50 yards rushing we had a chance we kept them under 150. We knew if we could 
put ourselves in a position to run for 150 or plus or more rushing uh, and, and give Ryan some one-on-one matchups and some shots. Um, and we had a chance. And we did all that. Uh, we gave ourselves a chance. And uh, unfortunately, we came up short. But our kids battled. They fought. They never stopped believing. They played extremely hard. We played as clean of a game as we, we could play all year long. Um, I was really proud of our effort. I was really proud of our mental toughness and our physical toughness. Uh, I think that that was, unfortunately, you can say this in the loss, but it was as complete of a game as we could play from a uh, how we approached it standpoint. You mentioned it with Ryan uh, getting him back on the field after he was held out of that uh, final regular season game. What did you think about his performance and how he looked? Uh, I, you know, I thought he competed. I thought he competed. He was extremely tough. You know, uh, bummed, you know, he had a little bit of a AC joint, um, you know, issue. So there was some soreness. There was some, some, some just kind of, you know, knocking the rust off a little bit. Uh, there was some of that kind of maybe working through and overcompensating some of the throws, but like, I mean, he competed. I mean, he gave us a chance. I mean, him alone being out there gives us a chance. And, you know, you think in those cases, you know, he doesn't have, uh, you know, he, how do I say this right way? Like he did a very good job of still putting his body out there and selling out on certain runs. Um, I think one run he pulled the ball on, it was a great read. Uh, he pulled it, ran, dove, uh, put his, his shoulder in harm's way a little bit. Down at the goal line, he pulled it, ran it inside, reached across. Like, just she just showed extreme toughness. And I think our guys responded to that. You know, when you're watching your quarterback, he was already banged up a little bit, kind of fight through adversity. And Dallas De La Cruz, I know he's a guy we've talked about a, a lot here in the second half of the season. He had another pretty good night on the on the ground with over a hundred yards. What can you say about him? And I read in the in the article, essentially Luke dragged him in for the touchdown. What can you say about that and what the offensive line was able to provide as well? Yeah, no, I think uh, we we really you know we really leaned on those guys. We said, hey, this game we we don't want to have to put ourselves in a position to throw the ball a million times. We'll get our attempts and we'll we'll do what we have to do, but. Uh, we really want to be able to kind of be physical in the run game. We thought we could do some stuff uh, within the run game. Uh, so I was so proud of the way our, our, our line executed. Obviously, everything starts with uh, those guys up front. And I thought Luke did a great job of really kind of washing down the line, him and Des Bailey. Uh, we had Hunter Marquise pulling and, and being able to get up on blocks. I thought we just controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought we did a good job. We had them on our heels and we had a back run over, you know, 100 yards against them. That's a really good defense, uh, well-coached defense. And I thought we really brought it physically to them. So uh, really proud of them and really proud of, uh, of Dallas. And, you know, you start, I think some of the, the, the cool things about coaching are you watch as, you know, it being second year in the program and Dallas makes a change, you know, getting him to play at a high level at that position, you know, I, I'm extremely critical and extremely hard on him because I've coached a lot of really good running backs and I've played the position. You know, I felt like this last game, he was doing all the little things right, and that allowed him to have a big game. So how he carried the ball through traffic, you know, how he locked his wrist on when traffic came near him, you know, his blocking when he wasn't didn't have the ball, you know, all those little things, his play fakes. Like, he did so many things well that game to give his team a chance, and, and that's kind of the cool but sad part is when you see the coaching finally really start to take full form, uh, but you run out of time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so tough, but 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 still cool to see at the same time.
Talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, talking with Coach Adams here in the Frickers Zoom room. And on the flip side, defensively, guys, much improved this time out, as you mentioned, with uh, the different goals you had, uh, trying to keep uh, Connor Waldzniak in check. What were some of the big things you saw from your defense this time out? Just uh, sound. I mean, sound. Uh, they were in their gaps. Uh, you know, I talked all week long about, you know, once again, going back to that running back conversation of how, we, we won, we got to take, we got to be extremely physical and take it to them. Two, we got to be, understand the way football is played. And sometimes it's not about necessarily you, how do I want to say this, it's about you making the tackle, but maybe you being in the right gap. Um, you know, hey, you know, understanding for a running back like Connor, you, you can't, you know, you can't just die at him. You got to be extremely sound with how you wrap him up and wrap around the ankles and don't let him get started. You know, because a good back like that, if you get started, you know, he's going to have a long, he's going to have a good night against you. It's going to be a long night for us. So I thought we did a good job of just creating penetration, uh, getting him off his tracks and his landmarks, uh, making him reroute his track. Uh, and when he rerouted himself, we were able to be there for tackles. So, you know, he got his, he has a couple of good runs. We expect that, but we held him under 150. And I thought that was a, a big hats off to, to our guys being physical, uh, being in the right spots and, uh, you know, making the tackles when they needed to. The season now comes to an end after 11 weeks, 18 seniors. You're going to have to replace, including future Buckeye, of course, Luke Montgomery. But we've, we've mentioned most of these guys at different points throughout the year. Dallas of the Cruz, of course, stepped up in a major way. Donovan Harris has been a key guy for you on the outside the last couple years. Uh, Tucker Oliver, he had two picks on Friday. He certainly yeah. left his mark on the game. And there's a bunch of other guys who I haven't mentioned yet. What can you say about these cl this class, or what you've done for them in the two years as the head coach and knowing them and the – in the junior high level uh, before that as well. What can you say about this class and what they've helped uh, build for you at Finley High School? Yeah, you know, um, I think uh, it's one of those things where it's like they can they can walk out of here truly understanding and knowing that they are part of, you know, the group that's really going to help spearhead our success in the future. You know, I, I think of last year where we went on that big run with a very talented class. Um, that was a success and a good starting point for us. You know, I think it allowed our guys to come back and be hungry, understanding some of the pieces that we were missing and replacing, but guys putting themselves in the best position to be successful and to get back to the playoffs. So once again, two years in a row, three years in a row, if you count kind of the, the COVID year, you know, they're really spearheading what it feels like to have success year in and year out. Now it's like you can feel the hungriness and the hunger from our guys to go get back in the weight room and, and really kind of help propel next year where we're not just a, you know, one year we're nine and four, one year we're, we're five and six, and the next year we're, we're, we're something completely different. We want to be able to be in a position to be dominant and be in the top five conversations. So they've really helped move things in the right direction. I know sometimes it's hard for people on the outside to see, you know, looking at a five and six record, but I promise you when I say uh, there's a lot of good things happening that are going to help us create consistency uh, now and in the future. And so then how much of a break will it be for uh, some of the guys you do have coming back for those, you know, of course, not in a winter sport to getting ready for off season workouts and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we got the, the obviously the, the 30, 30 day, no contact rule. Um, so they get that time to really kind of pull their minds back together. Uh, we don't bug them about anything. We try to get them away from football, um, away from the sport. You know, some of them are playing other sports. So we kind of support that. We want multi-sport athletes, you know, um, so I think just kind of really we connect with them kind of on a personal level, you know, check in with them, see how they're doing, uh, get them focused on their academics and, um, 
you know, when that 30 days comes we'll, 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 or is up or expired, uh, we'll get back after it with the weight room. Uh, everything for us starts in the weight room. And I know, uh, you know, we have a lot of guys coming back, a lot of talent coming back. You know, we were closer before we were young. We had some older guys that were very impactful, but we were very young at the same time, too. So uh, those guys have already said, like, you know, they're going to go work out on their own and go do their own thing. So I think that hunger is there, but continuing to build uh, the foundation and continue to expand on the foundation of our team is going to be very important moving forward. Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. And now, at least on the football side, we can officially say this, that you are done with the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, and next year you will begin play in the Northern Lakes League, and obviously still a little ways away from it, but how exciting is it now that you'll get to look forward to the new schedule, new teams that you'll get to play, all, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, it's an exciting time. I think we have a lot of, you know, obviously like-minded schools uh, joining forces together. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, uh, to be part of, no, I think it's history, right? To be part of uh, what's going to be new and rewritten uh, for our conferences, for records and all those good things. Uh, we're, we're excited. You know, you get to kind of create new uh, matchups, new rivalries, uh, new traditions. I think all those things are exciting. And I think we're going into a very, very competitive and, and joining and guys coming with uh, a very competitive league that's going to be uh, very beneficial for us now and in the future. So, no, it's exciting. I mean, I, I think... Uh, I think of Dirk and uh, at Perrysburg and, and Andy at, at, you know, Anthony Wayne. Those are guys that we've kind of I've conversed with over the last couple of years and, you know, kind of like-minded guys. So I just think the opportunity to continue some strong traditions and new traditions and new rivalry games and all that cool stuff that goes along with, it's going to be pretty fun. And then the million dollar question, now that you don't have football as a thing you need to be a part of a day in, day out, what are you going to do with all this extra free time? Actually, you know, spend time with your family or what's, what's the plan? Yeah, so uh, you'll laugh at me, right? I, uh, I, I, uh, I coach actually middle school girls basketball, and um, it's a good hour and a half practice, and it's something I really enjoy doing from a coaching standpoint. And I think it's important to do uh, as far as if you want to get better coaching, you got to coach. Um, so I do that, but yeah, definitely more family time. It's not as rigorous of a time commitment as uh, football is, but uh, yeah, no, spend time with my 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 family, my little guy. Uh, hang out with him some more and uh, do some more fun things with him that I can do before just getting him dinner, bath and, and bed. Uh, so we'll do that. But also it's, it's also continuing. I mean, programming is, is all year round, right. you know, um, you know, I'm excited to get back to work and, and, and figure out, you know, how to uh, expand on all the good things that we did and continue to improve on the areas that we can improve upon. So it, it, it really never stops. I mean, this is a year round thing and, uh, you know, I'll have my time or a little less time, you know, not having to be somewhere all Friday evening or afternoon and evening, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's back to work. We don't, we take some time off for sure, but at the same time, we don't, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This has been Finley high school's head football coach, Stefan Adams coach. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us all season long. We so, we so, so much appreciate it. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see if we can find a way to sneak a uh, sneak a talk during basketball season, even if it's, you yeah. know, even if it's just to catch up. Hey, listen, uh, you guys are always great. We enjoy the time. I enjoy the time, and I look forward to it. So, yeah, please uh, stay stay in touch. And yeah, if I don't, I don't mind talking basketball. So, give me a buzz. <laughs>
With that, we will step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have more after the break here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI and ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Hey, Hardin County, Allen County, and Putnam County residents. NWO now can serve your local orthopedic and physical therapy needs a bit closer to home. We are now located in Bluffton at 132 Guru Street, right across from Bluffton Hospital. We provide the same great standard that NWO always offers, and we are now accepting patients wanting to be seen in our Bluffton office. Take your orthopedic and physical therapy needs to NWO. There's only one place to go, NWO. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Grit. The word is defined as having courage or strength of character. My name is Mitch Gardner and I am the owner of Grit. We are a personalized health and fitness organization that will help you find the strength and courage to become the best version of you. Let my staff at Grit encourage you to get healthy in the right way. It's time to take charge of your health, for yourself, your family, and your future. Grit is located behind Ace Hardware and BodyWorks 24-Hour Fitness of Tiffin. Or reach out via email at grit, G-R-I-T-T dot training at gmail.com. Need new tires or tire service? Then Wilson Tire Company has you covered. Offering 15 brands of tires and providing 24-hour roadside assistance, Wilson Tire Company can get the job done. In business for over half a century, Wilson Tire Company has three convenient locations. Tiffin, Upper Sandusky, and Kenton. Wilson Tire Company offers mobile services, especially for commercial and farm applications. Check them out on the web for contact information or simply set an appointment from the comfort of your couch. Wilson Tire Company, a trusted partner for all your tire needs. Back we are on this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback for joining us to talk Ohio State football. Lori Romback, Tiffin Calvert, head volleyball coach. Judd Lutz, Tiffin Columbian, head football coach. And Stephen Adams, Finley High School's head football coach. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear that again, you can head over to WFB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our interviews and shows from past seasons we might not be at the frickers in finley but stop in for their daily specials monday boneless frickin chicken wings day tuesday frickin chicken wings day tonight you can get their sirloin steak dinner thursday their frickin chicken chunks kids eat free all day every day at frickers you can pick up from the carryout window dine in or get delivery through doordash all those daily specials are dine in only download the frickers app to see more and to place an order you can also find them online at frickers.com and Matt, before we go, some important news broke in the world of sports that Dan Snyder has hired Bank of America to look at a sale of the Washington Commanders of the NFL. And Matt, we can finally see a light at the end of the tunnel of getting Dan Snyder the heck out of football. Good. <laughs> I mean, my God, this is so overdue. Uh, between the insanity of him trying to hold on to an archaically racist caricature name for his team, finally having to relent on that one, to his butchering of the free agency year in and year out, to how terrible he has run that organization since he purchased it. Good riddance. The, 
the football world is going to be better without Dan Snyder in it. I think the Washington Commanders are going to be infinitely better actually having someone with a functioning motor cortex and, you know, the ability to understand critical thinking as the head of their team, as the head of their organization, they might actually start making sane moves in free agency or the draft, which will be fun to see, see Washington back as a competitive team again. So yeah, my goodness, thank God. That's, we're not going to miss you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And as a matter of fact, don't even worry about the door. Just get out. Just, just get. <laughs> the NFL is going to be better without you. Cool. I yeah. That's just that's fantastic news. That was about do it for us tonight. Join us on Thursday for our coverage of high school regional volleyball. We'll have coverage of both those regional semifinals matchups at the Elida Fieldhouse. Game one will be Cary against Hicksville. Game two will be Calvert against Convoy Crestview. Game one will start at 6 o'clock. Game two around 7.30. Depends on how long the first matchup goes. You can hear both of those on Thursday right here on Classic Hits 96.7. And then on Friday, of course, join us for our coverage of high school football, the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show. We'll get you ready for everything at 6 o'clock. On WFB, we'll have coverage of Elmwood taking on Tenora. On Classic Hits, we'll have a BBC matchup with Macomb taking on Pandora Gilboa. Then after the games, go back on to the Frickers studios for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show. Bart Wilson, Reese and recap all the action for the second round of the postseason and see how those matchups for round three are starting to shape up. You can hear that on Friday once the games have wrapped up. And, of course, stay tuned in on WFOB for Cleveland Cavaliers basketball, the Cavs at home to take on defending Eastern Conference champion Boston Celtics. For my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off from the Frickers Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. We'll talk to you tomorrow night from Elida, Friday night from Macomb, and hopefully we'll be back at Elida on Saturday for Tiffin Calvert Volleyball in what could be a regional finals matchup. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.